Welcome to As the Story Grows, I'm Brian Patton. Today we welcome Lockett frontman Brad Garcia to the podcast. Lockett's new record, Superluminal, is out this Friday, November 10th on Fearless Records. Brad talks about the Toronto punk scene, changing the band's name, how much life has changed between Lockett Records, writing about the good things in life, the struggles of trying to tour in the United States, and more. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast on your favorite platform of choice. Never miss an episode. You can help support the show financially at patreon.com slash as the story grows. I just posted a review of the new Spirit Box EP for people at the $3 a month level. A dollar a month gets you early access to every episode of As the Story Grows, and I will give you a shout out on the podcast. You can also sign up for the mailing list or come hang out on the Discord server. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's chat with Brad Garcia from Locket. Waking up, the sun hits my eye. I'm scrambling to keep it together. There's always something missing. I could try, but what's the difference? If you keep insisting, this is that this isn't forever. How can I keep it together when I'm constantly? Springing forward to fall right back Springing forward to fall when Every time that I blink It's like I'm losing the air Somewhere further down the line I hope to get oh, Thanks for hanging out. Yeah, yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, that's been, uh, it's been rad listening to the new record. I dig oh, it. thanks. Fun. Thanks, man. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Let's see, you wear you're at home right now. Yeah. 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 Uh, you uh you're still in Canada? Yeah, still in Toronto. Here, let me just turn on a light real quick. It's yeah. pretty dark. <laughs> it's a bit of a rainy day here. So oh, yeah. <laughs> it's been I'm down in DC and it's yeah, it's been raining here for like yeah. four straight days. Like it's finally sunny and I'm like, okay, great. Awesome. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's probably been the same. Yeah. Uh is, you said you're in Toronto. Is that where you grew up? Uh yeah, like half an hour. I'm technically like within 20 minutes of the city uh okay. i feel like if you're anywhere within an hour you just say toronto <laughs> yeah. to make it easier i, I mean i mean same with dc <laughs> yeah yeah fair enough because uh, it's like yeah uh, there are sometimes people where it's like yeah i'm in maryland they're like where the fuck is that like, okay <laughs> right you know where dc is that there we're good enough right yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah totally uh, yeah what was growing up like uh like in toronto or toronto area in general in general um I don't know, man. Pretty standard, I think. Yeah. I think I just described it as like the quote unquote normal middle class upbringing. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> suburban, <laughs> suburban kid, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Skateboarding through the neighborhoods, listening to music, playing yeah. hockey, you know, being a, a Canadian boy. Yeah. I yeah, feel like it's pretty standard. Yeah. S- standard Canadian uh, play, play hockey. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Watching the Leafs. Watching the Leafs and then get my my hopes up and crushed every year, <laughs> every year, <laughs> every single year. Uh, uh, this this past year was brutal too, man. They have that that great like win in overtime to get back to the first round, and you're like, they they they. I, when they won in overtime, I was like, that's it. This is the Leafs' year, and then they just I, you know crushed. what that <laughs> feeling was like. I don't even know how to describe that feeling as someone who's been obviously watching them since I was you know able to watch TV, yeah. um, and having not seen them move past the first round since I was maybe 10 years old or nine yeah. years old or eight years old. I don't even know how long ago that was. That was like, 
oh my god it was like my soul left my body i was like yeah. this, this, that was the feeling everyone had like this is the year it's gonna happen and of course in typical uh, leafs fashion we were all disappointed <laughs> so heartbreaking i understand that feeling like as a capitals fan like when they finally beat the penguins in the second round you're just like thank god the demons <laughs> that exercise like yeah <laughs> uh, that's great uh what got you into music um a bunch of different things like getting into music itself i had a pretty musical household like there were you know pianos and guitars around the house um i had a stay-at-home mom who was you know always making us lunches and cleaning and doing stuff around the house with a steady rotation of you know disco records and pop records and whatever was going on at the time um and in terms of like bands and stuff i think I mean, I had a band when I was in like grade seven, we covered Blink-182 at a talent show. I don't know if that counts as like a, a band. Um, I think it's the only thing we ever did, but that was the first instance where, you know, you pick up an, an instrument and play with your friends and realize, oh, this is kind of cool. Then yeah. a few years down the line, um, started going to local shows that were primarily somewhere between like the hardcore world. And then, you know, there'd be a pop punk show every once in a while. Yeah, And then that was like, oh, you can... A, there are bands here. Like we didn't, there was no concept of there being a local scene as yeah. a 13 year old kid. And that was pretty mind blowing realizing that. Um, and on top of that, going to these shows in like a vet's hall or something and having people come out that actually know the words to these band songs, like that was such a foreign concept. Um, so that was probably the thing, probably the first show I went to in, in that capacity was like, Oh, this is cool. <laughs> this is yeah. maybe something I want to be involved in. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Was, was there a good local scene? Yeah. Our, it came in like a, a couple waves. I think when I was 14 or 15, like pretty young in high school, um, it was crazy because I mean, times have changed, but like going to a local show was the thing to do. Yeah. Like it didn't matter if you were like, you know, a hockey player or you were like rocking Hollister and Abercrombie at the time. Like you were, <laughs> you were straight up going to like, like hardcore and metalcore and pop punk shows. Um, it was just like the social thing to do, I guess where, where I grew up. Um, yeah. And there was some, like, there were crazy shows happening every once in a while. Um, you'd have a band like first blood and the warriors come through and play like our small, almost like rural town, mm -hmm. you know, out of vets hall. Uh, just shit like that was really cool. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, I don't know. Like, I guess the scene was like really carried by younger people where I was growing up. Like it was high school kids putting on shows mm -hmm. and, you know, they were the local bands that everyone was coming out to see because it was such a, a social thing. Um, and I think when everyone kind of, you know, went to university and college and did that thing, it seemed like, the scene locally anyways in the suburbs um less so in toronto but in the suburbs kind of died out because there was no one yeah. to kind of there's no one to carry the torch right yeah um and then around the time we started what was then safe to say um i think there were maybe like younger siblings of friends of ours who were putting on shows that were then like oh well you know my cousin used to put on shows or my older brother used to put on, i can do this yeah and it kind of rejuvenated the scene um so bands like Seaway and like Pacific, like everyone that we came up with in our little Ontario crowd that ended up kind of blossoming and doing cool stuff. Uh, that was like the second resurgence, I guess, of our 
our local scene. Yeah. Yeah. I remember feeling like the scene had died and then realizing like, Oh, yeah. shows are still happening. They're just not where they used to happen. And these exactly. young kids are putting them on and it's a whole different crowd. And- exactly. And dude, I, it's so funny. Cause during the pandemic, like I, <laughs> I just didn't leave the house. I didn't go to shows, even if they were happening every once in a while, you know, masked up and everything, I still felt kind of weird about it. Right. Um, and I guess in that three year period, like so many people have kind of like hung up their jacket and retired the, you know, the Friday night outings, yeah. <laughs> getting into a crowded room where now this past few months, I've started to go to hardcore shows again. And nice. my friends that are still playing in bands and stuff are like, yeah, it's, it's completely different. Like you will walk into a, a packed 400 cap, you know, punk gig and not recognize a single person. Like it's wow. a whole new wave of people that have, which is cool. Like, I think yeah. that's, that's kind of how it should go, you know? Yeah. Yeah. At what point did you start playing guitar? Um, I think I was probably 12 years old. Yeah. And like I, I mentioned before, we had instruments in the house. Um, my dad, it's funny. I always looked at my dad as like uh, a musician, a uh, guitarist, a piano player. And then in retrospect, he's more of like a campfire guitar player, you know, <laughs> he, <laughs> he can play like the classic rock standards and, yeah. uh, nothing he'd be the first event nothing beyond that um but i always used to see his electric guitar just kind of like on a stand for display purposes as so many dads just have that guitar sitting there that they never pick up um and i was like i was like scared yeah 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 um so i was like almost scared as a kid i was like trained on piano from the time Mm -hmm. i was like four up until i was a teenager um so guitar was like a kind of foreign thing to me, even though I listened to a lot of guitar based music. And I think when seven nation army <laughs> came out, I was like, fuck this. It's like, this has got to be easy enough for me to learn. Yeah. So I think I was like in elementary school, uh, at home for like lunch. And I picked up the guitar, dragged it out of the basement and taught myself how to play that song within like half an hour or something like that. that. Is- yeah, <laughs> That's right. And did you, when did you know you could sing? Were you in like choir or theater? Like, no, I was never in anything <laughs> like that. Um, it's funny. I, when I was in high school, uh, you know, bounced around like playing with friends in different mm-hmm. kind of like metalcore ish bands. Um, cause that's just what was popular at the time yeah. and never wanted to be a front man. But anytime there was a, something that needed to be sung, like I knew I could sing. I just wasn't really comfortable being the guy or the front person. Yeah. Um, I'd always have friends be like, Oh, why don't you just start a band where you sing? And I thought at the time, like, oh, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to sing in a band. Uh, you know, I kind of, I want to shred. I just learned how to play guitar. Um, and then when we started safe to say years later, it was because friends of mine were starting a band and needed a singer. And I think just in our circle, there were friends that knew I could sing. Yeah. They're like, Oh, we, this might kill Brad, but we should ask him if he just wants to sing and originally like not even play guitar, like just straight up sing, um, which was different. It felt like a, a new thing to explore. It was kind of cool. How did safe to say get started? 
Uh, kind of just like that, like a few yeah. friends getting together, um, looking for someone to sing. None of them could, or probably still can't really sing. Um, just needing someone. And I think the intention was more so to just like get the guys together to hang out, uh, maybe play a show here or there. Mm-hmm. I like in high school, some friends of mine, uh, and I were, we were playing shows pretty frequently, like for a high school kid, you know, you play two shows a month, every month. That's like, that's yeah, pretty busy. A lot, yeah. <laughs> um, so I was, I was kind of used to that environment where the other guys, I don't think they'd like ever played a local show or open for anyone in the city or, you know? Um, so I think there was that, that they were looking for as well. So as soon as I joined thinking it was just a, a guy's hanging out thing, it's quickly snowballed into, well, you know, you know, some people that put on shows, you know, uh, you know, a promoter in the city and you know, these people like, would you want to do this as like a, an actual, you know, quote unquote band, not just guys jamming in the basement. Um, so yeah, from there, I think it's, we caught like wind of that second resurgence where there were some other bands that were popping off that were really nice with, you know, letting us open for them. Uh, I think the first show we played was opening for like Pacific, which is the other band I'm actually in now. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, they're like a, a pure noise records, pop punk band. Um, but they, they were headlining a show in our hometown. Um, I was friends with their singer, Jordan, and they asked us to open the show. And I think as soon as we finished our set, they said, Hey, we have like five more shows on this run of shows. You guys are not in high school anymore and you're not in university. Like, do you want to just play the rest of this mini tour with us? So that's, it was like, as soon as we played a show, we were on the road for, you know, a few days, which is pretty cool. And then that gave everyone a taste of like, Oh, like people want to do this. Yeah. People kind of like our band. It seems like, yeah. 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 That's cool. That's cool. What led you guys to that kind of emo pop punk sound? If like you were doing metalcore previously in, in that world, um, I, don't know, I get bored really quickly. <laughs> so it wasn't it wasn't my idea to to like pick that genre. They were kind of already playing that, but yeah. part of the reason I was inclined to like link up with them was because they were doing something I hadn't really done before. Um, yeah. And I'm just like a music lover in general, so you know, you go to local shows, you're kind of just there to experience music when like yeah. that's your whole world. And it doesn't really matter what it is. If it's like a beat down band or it's a straight up like power pop band, you're just, you're into what's uh, exposed to you. So yeah, I think uh, the guys wanted to do something in the pop rock, pop punk world. And at that time, you know, like 2012 bands, like the story so far and all that were popping off. Um, bands like title fight were just, popping off and stuff like that too which is what we we're all into um and that genre as well having grown up going to punk and hardcore shows it seemed like you were able to do both like you you <laughs> kind of t- step your foot into both worlds and not be judged not that that doesn't happen but yep. you, you can almost like got a pass to play the cool hardcore show or like you know you almost had like this this cool cred because you were accepted by that crowd and then you can go play the pop punk crowd and then I thought that was a cool thing where you kind of like mesh the two worlds together. Yeah. Yeah. How'd you guys get connected with side one dummy? Um, Jamie Coletta, who now owns um, this. I can't believe I'm drawing a blank. She owns a PR company now. Okay. Uh, I'll have to 
dig around my brain what it's called um but she's like she's still doing everything cool in my opinion um putting the the scene onto really cool bands um no earbuds no earbuds that's yeah. it i almost said no ears i'm like that i'm not gonna say it unless i know it's 100 percent right. <laughs> uh, but she like we were kind of shopping around our record uh in 2015 um we had a manager at the time that was you know talking to a few people uh i don't know how serious any of those conversations were um but there were labels like pure noise and at the time 6131 was a name that came up that they were putting out records that we really liked um but then jamie got involved uh who was currently at the time working for side one dummy and i think because she has her ear to the the ground <laughs> more so than other people she was already kind of aware of our band weirdly enough um so she scooped us up and made an offer and i I don't even think we really looked at the offer initially. We all thought, Oh my God, they've like, they've put out the pop records, you know, being Toronto guys. That was super cool. Mm -hmm. Um, they put out the title fight stuff, which is huge. Like that was the band in 2012 kind of dominating, you know, both of those worlds, uh, the hardcore world and the pop punk world. Yeah. So we thought, you know, it'd be, it would be a no brainer for us to say yes to this. Uh, if just to have our name next to, those bands we look up to yeah 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 that's cool what led to the name change do you want the short answer or the long answer <laughs> whichever you feel like uh the short answer is that money talks <laughs> <laughs> um the longer answer was i think the labels initial thought was you know you guys have been doing this for a while now um and it might just be worth a rebrand to make it fresh to, to new ears and not just have people dismiss it as like, Oh, well they've been around forever and they've, you know, they plateaued or they've done this and that already. I'm over it. Um, which I still to this day don't know if that was the right move <laughs> or not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because I feel like a lot of people that still ride for us as Lockett are always saying like, I've been here since safe to say days, or this sounds like safe to say like, Oh, I love this. Mm -hmm. It has an STS vibe. Like it's, it seems like that's very much a part of what attracts people to still mm -hmm. listening to this band. Um, but yeah, I don't know. A name's a name. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting advice. Cause you think like, Hey, we built this brand. People are coming with yeah. us. Why throw that out? But <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, 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 at the time, and I still do like, you know, trust the people that are getting yeah. paid the big bucks to do what they do because <laughs> it must be working. <laughs> yeah. 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 Where'd the name come from? I don't I honestly don't remember if it was like anything in particular that was like well thought out or just like throw a million names on a Google Doc and see what, what right. sticks out. Um it was probably the latter. Uh it did it did seem nice because I guess it's got like a a bit of a like a what you'd consider a feminine feel to it mm -hmm. like it, it doesn't sound like this like tough hard as nails dark spooky emo thing uh yeah <laughs> which i kind of i kind of like <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah yeah band names are tough it's, it's so many bands Dude. are like we we put a name on a flyer as a joke 30 years ago and now we're fucking stuck with it <laughs> exactly exactly yeah uh, and it's kind of like yeah it's kind of cool or whatever it is you know, what it is. um i was just thinking about band name changes the other day because uh that super heaven song has been like going crazy viral on TikTok, 
And I remember thinking when they told us they were going to change their name or we heard through the grapevine that they were thinking of changing their name from Daylight to Super Heaven. We were like, Super Heaven? What kind of a name is that? And now it's like, yeah, that's a badass band name. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's so cool. But at the time, you just, you know, it's really hard to to see a group of people any other way when you know them as whatever they've been called yeah. previously. Yeah, for sure. What led you guys to Fearless Records? Um, it was, again, one of those things where someone at the label was just a fan of the band previously, um, which that's kind of what you want out of a label. You, you want it to be people that are like tapped into whatever scene they're representing or working within. Um, so there was an A&R there who I think saw one of our live sessions. We did like a little elephant live session years ago and those guys were doing that. Um, and then our previous manager, I don't even remember how their friendship started. Maybe he was living in LA for a while uh, and befriended this A&R at Fearless. But he brought up our band, not knowing, I think, that we knew each other. <laughs> saying, oh, have you seen this live session from this band? Like, they're pretty sick. And he just happened to say, oh, well, <laughs> funny you should mention that. I'm working with them. And they've had a record they've been sitting on for two years, not knowing really what to do with it. Uh, so I think all the cards just kind of came together in a cool way where it was like, oh, what are the chances that this guy who's kind of interested in this inactive at the time band happens to befriend and link up with the person who's representing us? That was yeah. it's pretty cool. You guys released All Out October 2019. Kind of a, a rough time to uh, release Dude. the record. You know, you're probably gearing up for big 2020 tours to support that album. What was what was your experience surrounding that release in the following subsequent year? Um, yeah, when the record came out, I think we were like day two into a, a tour at the time. Um, and by the end of that tour, it was kind of like a mixed bag experience like i personally did not have a good time on that tour okay. um and you know they, they can't all be wins not necessarily because the shows were good or bad or anything but sometimes you know when you're forced to spend a month plus with people you might not be a fan of or butt heads with or there's big personalities and you're mixing introverts with extroverts um they can seem pretty taxing so i think we were all super hungry to make the next experience like something that felt comfortable something we were happy about um you know going on the road with people more our speed uh so we did like a 10-day run in january with home safe and that was awesome the shows are great the guys are great um it was just a good vibe and we thought oh, okay this is this is cool we're like the ball's rolling it's time to get on the road and start doing the full u.s stuff again once the the bad weather clears and then you know <laughs> covid hits uh, yeah. and we had this hilarious thought at the time uh kind of like oh you know this this might go on for a month so we'll see what happens okay this might go on for two, for two months let's see what happens and when we finally kind of understood the scope of everything um 
it was like, well, shit, <laughs> I guess, <laughs> I guess this record exists on, you know, the streaming platforms and that's kind of it mm. for now. Yeah. So it was disappointing for sure. Um, but at the same time, I think, you know, our group loves playing shows. If I'm being honest, I, I think a lot of people are lying when they say they like touring. I think they like playing shows. I think they like the half hour to hour high of like performing. Cause yeah. who doesn't love that? Um, the rest of it shit. <laughs> yeah, it can be good. Like, you know, in my other bands who I would consider like in terms of their reach and their audience is like a few levels above what Lockett does. Um, touring with them is straight up more comfortable. Like you yeah. get paid better. You don't have to worry about where you're staying every night, you know, asking to sleep on floors and stuff yeah. like that. Like you want to get a hotel, you get a hotel. Uh, so it's, it's tough to be a band that's locket size, you know, yeah. to, to go out on the road. So at the very least you want morale to be good and you want yeah. the vibes to, <laughs> to be the thing that carry you through. And if it's not that way, it's like, it's not worth it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, when we, when we found out we couldn't tour the record, it was kind of like, okay, it's not the end of the world. Um, the thing we like doing most is just straight up making music, like recording music. You know, I'm, a producer, Corey, our guitarist is a mixing engineer and producer. Um, it just, that's the environment we like being in yeah. now, especially the older we get to that's like, True. that's the thing we really enjoy. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of like, well, if we can't play shows, let's just, <laughs> let's just write another record almost like immediately, you know? Nice. Yeah. Nice. That record is super luminal mm -hmm. coming out November. You, you guys, got to writing right away you've been sitting on it. it was the delay and release just because of vinyl manufacturing or just like a strategic part of just like i think probably more strategy than anything um when we write music we kind of do it in tandem with the recording process because we do engineer and produce and mix everything right. ourselves mm -hmm. um it's kind of all happening at the same time. And because of that, there's like a double edged sword <laughs> the effect where we do have the luxury of constantly tweaking things yeah. <laughs> sometimes to a fault where you get like demo -itis. Um, so half of that's on us, half of that's just industry, you know, yeah. marketing and planning and all that stuff. Um, as well as like not being able to tour, I think industry wide, there's this whole mindset of like, well, why are we going to put out a record if you can't right. tour yeah. it? And, looking back on it, I think that that was kind of weird because I don't know the, not that I'm a fan of the TikTok stuff, but it did totally change the way that people consume music yeah. and listen to music and go about music. And, you know, there are so many artists that have in my, uh, in, in my brain, like they've blown up and I haven't seen them do so much as play like two hometown shows, you know, um, mm -hmm. you can really take advantage of the streaming thing if you know how to push that properly. Yeah. So, part of me wishes we <laughs> released this album earlier selfishly probably also because it just seems like old music to me now having right? you know we started writing it almost three years ago um and then there was like conversations about touring as well um which is something i was kind of going through as as we were writing the record and as i was working lyrically on the record um where you know we we put out the last record we were we wrote it when we were 25, 26, 27, whatever. Um, then there's this three year pause on everything in the music world. <laughs> mm -hmm. And when you're like, you know, 27 years old, 
a lot happens between 27 and 30 when you have significant others and you're, you know, I, I always make this joke that, yeah, we started writing this uh, record when we had girlfriends and now three out of the four of us have wives and have houses. <laughs> like, it's, it's like, we're all in very different places now, which we are aware of while writing the record. Um, yeah. So I think when fearless also realized like, Oh, maybe they're not in a position to like straight up, just grind, grind, grind and cross their fingers. Um, mm-hmm. I think everyone had to reevaluate what, what was going to be worthwhile for the record, Um, you know, on a business side, like they don't want to sink a bunch of money into a a band that necessarily can't go tour nine months of the year, especially as like a, you know, one of five on a tour package or two of five, like making a couple hundred bucks a night. Mm -hmm. Um, And then like being Canadian shit got crazy expensive too i don't know what was happening with visas and everything like that but essentially like the visa process almost doubled in price from what it was currently um i I, i've I've heard from some canadian bands they're like yeah well they're just going to europe because like yeah it's our 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 country sucks guys it's it's crazy it's 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 shitty down here (laughs) our guitarist Corey has made a joke a couple times he's like yeah the the u.s government's like a pay to play promoter essentially <laughs> oh it, yeah no i mean that. <laughs> it's crazy so yeah all, all those things i'm sure contributed to like prolonging this record coming out yeah um but there's also you know a plus to that where you get to take your time with music videos and yeah you know planning the the other creative shit that we like doing mm-hmm. yeah i mean there's i don't know how like things work on the label side these days anymore because like you guys are recording and producing everything yourself. So like fearless isn't throwing a lot of money at you guys to go to a studio and record. It's more in like manufacturing and promotion. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean like our advance is our advance regardless of where we go. Um, but we, because we're, you know, we're in Canada and shit costs more money and your currency <laughs> is like killing us. Like there's all these little things that we have to be mindful of where it's like, yeah where the money would normally go to, you know, hiring a producer or an engineer or a team of people to make a record. It's like, it's going towards things in the future that will likely come up <laughs> that might bite us in the ass. Yeah. 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 When you were writing this record, what were things uh, inspiring you lyrically or were you drawing from? Um, I remember like Sonic Bloom was the first song I started writing. I think literally right after that home safe tour uh, or around that time that COVID was happening, it was kind of like, well, might as well start figuring it out now. Cause I know yeah. it takes us forever to, <laughs> to do yeah. stuff. Um, but I remember having this thought that I don't want it to be a bunch of sad music. Yeah. I don't want I don't want it to be negative. Like, I don't know when you play, I guess what most people would call like emo rock or emo adjacent music. Um, it's just a lot of like, I don't want to call it whining because I know people like are going through stuff, but I feel like if I were to write something like that, which is what people gravitate to that genre towards, um, it's usually because of that stuff, but I wasn't like necessarily feeling sad or feeling upset. Like I was, Mm -hmm. you find myself in like a really good spot, you know, mentally I was like with a supportive partner and, you know, family life is good and friend life is good. And I thought, you know, what if we do an emo record, that's like celebratory mm-hmm. and, and happy. And like, you know, why can't a band that usually does I don't know, darker stuff, more emotional stuff. Why can't we just have essentially a record that's like, yo, 
like let's hear it for all the good shit we have like yeah don't don't like why are we kind of making everything more dramatic than it needs to be when actually we have it pretty good yeah um and you know covid obviously plays into that like we all have our health that's a great thing you know um yeah we're still able to make music even though some of our members were living across the world for a few months like that's a cool thing um mm. so that was a big part of it and then like i said you know things start happening at like a crazy pace when you start turning 28 29 turning 30 mm. years old um you know i got engaged and married in the time that we wrote this record <laughs> i've been married for a year now and we haven't released the record yet like Man, it's uh that's, that's yeah it's it's wild yeah. so that's a huge part of this as well um more or less kind of like looking at the scope of like this band and what being in this band means and has meant over the past mm -hmm. you know decade of our lives essentially whether it was as safe to say or as locket yeah um and being grateful for it and kind of acknowledging, you know, maybe choices we've made in the past that have, you know, opened doors for us that have led to where we are now. Uh, yeah. It's just kind of putting a magnifying glass on, on all of that. Yeah. It's a good like perspective to have and like a good shift where like in lockdown, it would have been easy to be like, everything sucks. <laughs> like, That's the thing, man. Oh, this is fucking awful. <laughs> yeah, dude. You know, what's funny too. I like, there was so much of that i mean uh -huh. there, there always is a lot of that but especially yeah. when that was happening where i don't know i i feel like maybe i'm being presumptuous but there were some people or some bands or artists that i don't even know personally i'm just talking up my ass but <laughs> i got this vibe that like are you really like that bogged down by it like you're healthy and like mm -hmm. you're doing what you love to be doing and it seems like you're living comfortably like it mm -hmm. it almost seemed like just feeding into oh well everyone's sad right now so i'm just gonna you know, put on my, my sad face and right. write music about it. Um, and then freaking like someone like Dua Lipa drops like the catchiest <laughs> pop record in the <laughs> middle of the pandemic. And that's all I listened to for maybe a month straight mm -hmm. when that record came out thinking like, Oh yeah, it's because I just want to listen to something celebratory and, and happy because everything else is so grim. Like, yeah. You know? Yeah. Who did the album artwork for you guys? Um, Al artwork was done by our friend, Ben Lieber he plays in a band called Marigold. Uh, there used to be a, a band called um, Head North years ago from Buffalo. Uh, so Ben and I have like known each other just through mutual friends for maybe 10 years and hadn't officially met really until not that long ago. <laughs> um, but Ben has worked on stuff for a bunch of people like in our world. Uh, he's done Boston Manor artwork and videos, done stuff with the Wonder Years. Um, he did stuff with my other band, like Pacific as well. So I kind of like when we take on a project like this, I don't want to just constantly be jumping around to different people um, because we do everything ourselves from, you know, beginning to end with a record cycle more or less. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not like technically able to do the visual stuff that someone like Ben is. I want to make sure when we're hiring that person that they are like part of the team start to finish on everything, whether it's videos or, uh, artwork. So Ben hopped on pretty early on. Like I hit him with the record, uh, and we had temporary artwork that I mocked up that more or less looked exactly like what the artwork is now, uh, which is, I can't believe we pulled it off. That took probably two years to like put all that together, uh, for the artwork.
the album is out uh november 10th there are no tour dates on your website no uh, what's what's the future look like i mean are you are you going out with pacific or are you just guys gonna release music videos and try to promote yeah online? i think um in an ideal world it would be a half and half um there's nothing on the table yet i know once the record is out things will probably move from there um but yeah right now uh i think we're working on a release show or like it might be a back-to-back release show thing Mm -hmm. uh, in toronto and then yeah we'll we'll go from there like we're still working on music videos and you know the the content is king as they say (laughs) yeah yeah um so yeah chipping away at stuff like that and then hopefully either being on the road or playing fests or you know doing weekend runs here and there yeah yeah i mean like the the process leading up to a record is so much longer these days with all the singles like months out but it's like in the same way like you you're releasing put 10 12 11 songs like you want yeah. people to hear them and not just like the totally. three singles so it's like it makes sense like why not have every song have a video that you just released exactly and you know what time? that worked so well with our last record especially because of the the pandemic stuff yeah. where like we couldn't do it anyway so but there that was literally their plan like you know we could put out two singles and you've worked so hard on <laughs> seven other songs that yeah. no one really pays attention to um and I found if if people ignore it the first time, that's pretty usual. Then they see yeah. the name come up a second time. It's like, oh, okay, I guess this band's doing stuff. Then they see another single come out. I, when you keep seeing a name come up, I'm, yeah. you know, I do it too. Like I click and I listen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so hopefully that strategy is is working and keeps working. As of right now, we are not making vinyl. I'm trying to look into <laughs> I'm trying to look into a way to make that happen. Uh, so I don't know if like a pre-sale is a thing or whatever, but pre-save the record. I'll yeah. say that. Uh, pre-save the record, share it. If you like it, dope. If you don't, that's all good. <laughs> no CDs or not that I'm no? not that I'm aware of. All right. Yeah, I think cool. we're steering clear of physical stuff unless it like makes sense for us to to do that. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, it could be a money pit. Like I have, I have a closet full of records over here that like, oh, yeah. I'm going to take with me to the grave. <laughs> yeah, dude. It's, it's so funny. We were like secretly saying like, oh, this kind of sucks that we're like not doing physical this time. Cause I, I think the very first shit we ever wrote, you know, when we were 20 years old, got a vinyl release. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, I'm sure we have like a ton of those records collecting dust sitting in someone's closet that like right. didn't move because of that. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see. Thanks for listening to As the Story Grows. Our intro music was written and composed by Jeremy Hunt. 
The As the Story Grows theme is by Bob Nana. If you like what you hear, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give us a rating and review. If you'd like to support the show financially, you can join us at patreon.com slash as the story grows. Be a part of our community and join the ongoing conversation over on Discord. If you enjoy this episode, share it on social media with your friends. Much appreciated, and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.